Welcome and thank you for listening to this message from Legacy Church New Braunfels. To connect with us, go to LegacyNB.com. Now enjoy this message from Pastor Jay Miller. So if you have your Bibles with you, I want you to open to one passage of Scripture. It's going to be 1 Corinthians chapter 2. It's going to be 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And at some point I'll have, uh, they're actually going to put this up on the screen. Because uh, if you don't have your Bible with you, bring your Bibles with you. If you don't have your Bible with you, get a Bible app on your phone and read your Bible. I, I cannot emphasize how important it is for you to own your faith and to own the Word of God. Um, it, it's, it's, you know, we go to restaurants because we, we like to eat off of the skill and the expertise of amazing chefs. Okay, and, there, and there's nothing wrong with that. But let me tell you what, it, when you learn to cook and prepare your own food, it's even better. Okay, so what we want you to do is come here and enjoy what God is doing. But more importantly, I hope you eat more on your own than you do when you come here. I, I think sometimes we, we have a church, I was, uh, he stopped me, I, I was going to make a comment about, uh, a, a, a church that looks like it's anorexic. And why is it? Because they're not eating the Word of God on their own. We, we should be filled up and plump with the goodness of the Lord. It's, it's meat there. And so it's important for you to do it. But there's this, been this one verse this last week. Uh, you don't have to get in there yet, but I just want to read it. It's 1 Corinthians 2.9. And this verse has been in my mind. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Um, these last several days, I've just been consumed with this thought, the Holy Spirit is every time I go into his presence and I just begin to converse with him in my intimacy, I keep hearing him say, you know, you've heard it said, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined. He's, and he keeps telling me, is that actually what the verse says? And I'm like, well, I think it is. And so I went back and I read it and it says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for them. And he goes, here's the problem. People read just that section. They read the bumper sticker version of a verse, and they don't read the full context of it. And they miss the invitation to those who are born again to actually move into where your eye does see, your ear does hear, and your mind does comprehend the good things that God has prepared for you because you love him, and more importantly, he loves you. I think the reason that the church has got caught up into an end times fear mode of this either get us out of here or where's the big bad antichrist and, and this is the church kind of huddling or we're afraid of, well, there's China and communism or, or Russia or in our <laughs> United States or what's going on in Canada. Like, oh, where's, where, where's the, the oppressive government and the church is just kind of hiding like we're the victims. It's because I think we didn't realize this. Wait a minute. I'm in a different place than I was before I met Jesus. Before Jesus, my I could never understand or see I couldn't hear it, I couldn't understand it, I could not comprehend the good things that God had for me because my mind did not belong to Jesus. A fallen or a carnal mind, it's impossible to fully grasp the good things. Now when we share the gospel, when we do signs, miracles, and wonders, it does become a sign that somebody suddenly, for a moment, can see what the kingdom looks like. They get to hear a prophetic word about how God loves them. They hear for a moment, but it does not mean that their heart or their mind has been transformed yet. It's just the invitation. 
And so we need to demonstrate the kingdom. But we have to come to this place for those, if you're born again, it's time to mature. You've heard me been talking about this for the last month. It's time for the church to really mature and grow and to go into the depth that God has for us. And so what this requires is, is we have to develop a kingdom mindset. Let me hear you say a mindset. A mindset is a particular way of thinking. It, it's, it's the way you see the world. It's the way you formulate your thoughts. It's what you, you actually judge your likes and your dislikes through. It's the mindset that you carry. And so every one of us carries a particular mindset. You might have heard this statement. I, I happen to be German background where it's like you can always tell a German, but you can't tell them much, right? And we make it it's like, well, that's the Germans. Well, whatever your background is, every human can say the same thing. You can tell a carnal man, right, from those who are saved, but you can't tell them much because they're not teachable, they don't understand, they kind of move away, right? What does it require? It requires a mind change. It requires a setting our mind on something that's different. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, it says this, If then you were raised with Christ, if you're born again, say, I am. Are you really? I'm not, I'm not judging, I'm just saying you really have to know that. Have you been raised with Christ? So here's the thing. We often, we hear the gospel and we say, well, I will be raised with Christ in the resurrection. And that is certainly true that my physical body one day will experience it. But what that verse is saying, in the past, you were raised which means when you become born again, your spirit is now become alive and it's designed to be raised up above your soul and above your body. Before you're born again, your spirit is dead and it's actually a carnal nature and it's actually underneath your soul and your body. But when you're raised with Christ, what are you doing? You're actually being raised up to the place, seated with him in heavenly places. You actually change your vantage point. You actually have your mind in a different place. And so it's really important for us to understand what does it mean to be raised with Christ now? Not just later. We'll get to the later. How many people understand that God will eventually get to eternity? But we spend so much time like, when's eternity coming? When's eternity coming? How about he's coming right now? God doesn't exist in time and space. Eternity is now. Eternity was yesterday. Eternity is a thousand years from now. Right? He exists outside of that. But you were raised with Christ. So notice what it says. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is. Where is Christ? Sitting at the right hand of God. Now again, in Ephesians it says, and you're seated with him in heavenly places. That ought to mess with your mind. It ought to mess with your poor theology that says, well, I'm just a lowly worm. No, no, no. No, I've been raised with Christ. I actually take so seriously the blood of Jesus that I believe everything he says about himself and everything he says about me, regardless if my experience is matched up with what he says yet. You were never let, meant to be led by your experience, but you are meant to experience the truth. So experience is not bad, but if you're not experiencing the truth of him, then you're having a wrong experience, okay? So then, if you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Verse 2, set your mind on things above, not 
on the things of the earth. Repeat after me. Set my mind on things above and not on the things of the earth. Sounds like a command to me. It's not a suggestion if you feel like it. No, what he's saying is if then you were raised with Christ because you become born again and he's seated at the right hand of the Father and that's actually where your spirit is sitting, then you have to set your mind. When it's talking about mind, it's talking about your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions, the way that you think, the way that you process is still present with you here, but you have to set your mind to where your spirit is. Your mindset is going to determine the altitude that you can go with Jesus. It's going to determine your attitude in the middle of dark circumstances. So that's why some people go, why are you so joyful in the middle of disaster? I'm like, because I'm seated with him. Like, my mind is set on a place where there is no sorrow. There is no sin. There is no death. There there is no addiction. There is no lies. There is none of that stuff. I am fully, complete, whole in Jesus, seated with him right now, even as I'm standing right here. This is why when you read in Matthew 6, and in, we always talk about seek first the kingdom, but you back up a little bit before that, and, he, and he's telling them how to pray. And he says, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. He's going back to the highest place. Your kingdom come, your will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. What I would propose to you is this, when you become born again, you become like Jesus, who was both simultaneously seated in heaven with his father because he only did what he saw his father doing. Where was his father present in heaven? The third heaven, the highest level. And only said what my father said, where's his father at? In heaven, which means Jesus was setting his mind to the place where his spirit was residing with his father. And at the same time, so there's a place. Jesus, your will, as it is in heaven, I see what you're doing, I hear what you're saying, I understand your heart there. Now, let it be done here on the earth, as it is in heaven. It's the carrying out, not of some thing. It's actually carrying out the purpose, the passion, desire, the design of the God of the universe who created it all and a good father. So we have to come into this place, set your mind on things above, not on the things of the earth. It does not mean that you can't examine things of the earth. There was this weird phenomenon that took place. Uh, A lot of it was in the Catholic Church before even the Protestant Reformation, where you would have these desert fathers who, who were so worried about being caught up into the things of the flesh and the things of the world that they would go into the middle of nowhere. They would go into monasteries and, and they would just spend all day, all night, just praying with God, being alone with God. And all oh, my mind is so set on him. My mind is so set on him. And they were afraid to actually put their mind on the things of the earth. Forgetting that we're actually supposed to bring as it is in heaven here to the earth. So you can spend so much time there if you don't actually release it here. I doubt you spent time there. Because I'm telling you right now, you can't spend time there without picking up the passion he has for here. So Jesus walking perfectly in relationship with his father. And as he is, so are we, is what the scripture says. Jesus, his mind set on the things of the heaven, his father. And now, if you've been raised with Christ, set your minds there. So it's a mindset. Look what it says, verse 3. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. 
It's kind of an interesting statement because we know a part of this says when the second coming of Christ comes, those who have already died, their bodies will appear. There's going to be a resurrection. And then those who of us who may still be alive at that time, our bodies are going to be transformed and then we'll appear with him in the glory of the fullness of the resurrection. But what I want to encourage you on is this. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory, is not meant only for the return of Christ. It's meant for the now. What happens when Christ, who is your life, appears in your life? What does heaven look like? Christ wants to appear on the earth now. How do I know this? He says, I'm not leaving you as orphans. It's better that I go there. This is after the resurrection, or before, right before the resurrection. He says, it's better that I go, but my Father will send the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, to indwell within you. And then, just as the Father and I have been one, then you and I will be one. So what I propose to you is where God's wanting us to get back to is that he's waiting to appear, and we're in the way. When we don't mature, we're showing who we are, we're not showing who he is. When we're in immaturity, you could be born again, saved, going to heaven, but you're not living fully saved, you're actually revealing who you used to be, not who he is now and who you are now. So we're, we're called to do and move into this place. When Christ, who is our life, appears, notice it says, then you will also appear with him in glory. Now, when I'm fully representing him, when my mindset is fully with him, I hear what my father is saying and I say it. I see what my father's doing and I do it. And together, we appear together in glory on the earth. The earth will be covered with the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the oceans. It's not allegorical. It's meant to be sons and daughters that are so numerous that the glory of God is resident in their lives, the way they live, the way they think, the way they love, that glory appears with them and with Jesus everywhere we walk. How do I know this? In an inferior covenant, Moses went to the mountaintop, spent 40 days with the Lord, face-to-face -face as a friend. He's in this place. And what was he doing when he came down off the mountain? He was shining with the Shekinah glory of God. He radiated the glory of God because he spent time face-to-face. -face. He was elevated. His mind was set on the mountaintop. So that when he eventually had to come back down off the mountain, do you understand this? At some point, you have to get to the valley so you can lead people into the glory. The difference, it says in Corinthians, is our glory doesn't fade like Moses' glory faded. Why? Because we've been born again. We've been transformed. In this intimate relationship with him, the glory fade, does not fade. It's shining. But... You can't put a lampshade on you. Jesus said it. Why would you light a, a lamp and cover it up? No, instead, you light the lamp, put it up on a, on, the, on a table so that the whole room, the whole house can see it. It's supposed to radiate with the light, with the glory of the Lord. And you are a city on a hill. Ronald Reagan understood it. He understood the place the U.S. was playing in the world stage from the perspective of born-again believers in the kingdom coming. The, the, the radiating light. So I think God's calling us back not to a political solution. I think he's calling us back to a glory solution. 
But it begins with your mindset. New Living Translation says, since you've been raised to a new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of the earth. Romans 12, 2, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. So the standard is always the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God being released, and what it requires is a mindset shift. Repentance, we've always taught repentance as, well, you're going in the sinful direction. You need to repent. You need to go in the different direction. And the reality is that's just the fruit of repentance. Do you know that Adam and Eve repented in the garden? Repentant, the Greek word is metaneo. It means to think differently afterwards. Adam and Eve were created perfect. They thought like God. They lived with God. They, they had the emotions of God. They were in perfect harmony with God. Satan comes around and throws a lie their way, and they repented, and they actually stopped thinking like God. They started thinking like Satan. So repentance, we're not looking just for, I was going in this direction, let me turn around. No, change the way you think. How does God think? I need to change that mindset. And what happens? Then the fruit is, if I was going down this way and I start thinking differently, of course I'm going to start acting differently. This is where we're going with this. So go ahead and open up 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And I'm going to be reading out the Holman Christian Standard. And Lacey, if you can put that up there too. So if you don't have a Bible, it'll be behind me. Verse 1, when I came to you, brothers, announcing the testimony of God to you, I did not come with brilliance of speech or wisdom, for I didn't think it was a good idea to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness and fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my proclamation were not with persuasive words of wisdom. Let me hear you say words of wisdom. Okay. We're going to circle back around to wisdom in a second but with a powerful demonstration by the Spirit, so that your faith, let me hear you say, so by your faith, might be not based on men's wisdom, but on God's power. So Paul comes initially off the bat. He's wanting to get, here's the point, he's wanting to get to wisdom. He's wanting to get to maturity. He's wanting to get to a place where the Corinthians, when he first got there, they were lost. They didn't know Jesus from a hole in the wall. And he could not come to them and start talking about the deep revelatory things of there we go. They would not have had a comprehension about what God, but what Paul was talking about. Why? Because no eye has seen, no ears heard, no mind could comprehend the good things that God has for them. They were lost. They were, they were carnal-minded. And so what did Paul do when he says, when I came to you, I just preached the simple gospel of Jesus Christ crucified so that you could realize that you need to be crucified with Christ so it will no longer be you who live, but Christ who lives in you. That's Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life I lived is lived by faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This is the gospel that, that Paul was preaching. And he says this, I knew it was, a good, it was not a good idea. Let me tell you about the secret place. Let me tell you about the revelation of the depth of who God is and all these things right now. You cannot comprehend it. In fact, it would probably chase you away. And for a season, he just preaches the simple gospel. But then the result is this. By the time Paul's writing 1 Corinthians 2, they've actually grown into maturity 
after this point. And so my, my, my suggestion for you is make sure you've dealt with the elementary teachings of Christ. Make sure you've set your mind on Christ. Make sure you have a mindset that's on him so you can comprehend the depth. Because the, the, the reality is the invitation is that you might see, you might hear, and you might know all the things. I'm here to say all the things, not just some of them. When we say this, there's some things that will always be a mystery to me because God's beyond, I think, our time and space to comprehend it because they're so vast and so big. So there's going to be some things you'll have to learn with mystery, but the invitation is always discover the mystery, press into the mystery. So what do we need to do before we can move into wisdom? You need to expose and deal with your non-kingdom mindset. You need to expose, you need to deal with non-kingdom mindsets. If we're called to set our mind on, we need to understand what are some mindsets that we're taking on that would keep us in immaturity and keep us in chains and bondage instead of moving into the place of freedom and sonship that the Lord actually has for us. So let me give you just a few non-kingdom mindsets. You can have your own list, but you can have a fearful mindset. I think the last two years have been epitome of fearful mindset. Like you walk in and people are just like, I mean, it kind of reminds me, I grew up Catholic. And, uh, and so it reminded me of some of the, the, the movies that were out there that would characterize the Catholic priest or whatnot with like vampires and stuff like that. And somebody walks in and they're grabbing the holy water and they're squirting them and they're just, because <laughs> of fear, yeah. right? Not faith, but fear. Like we've been, I think the church on a big mindset has had fear in it rather than faith. So we need to expose if I've been dealing with fear, because God says I haven't given you a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. He's given you a mindset of power. He's given you a mindset of love. He's given you a mindset of a sound mind. There could be denial. It could be lust. It could be depressive not just depression, not just the illness where there's a chemical imbalance, but you can actually take on a depressive mindset. Like, and, and this is also part of what we've seen in the last two years of shutting everything down and putting masks on people and, and shutting, you know, especially with kids and whatnot, is a depressive mindset has actually come up and raised up. Not because there's a, a legitimate uh, chemical imbalance of depression, but because there's been a spirit of depression that's moved in because we've been separated. It's become a mindset. You can become restless. You can have a poverty mindset. I'll never have enough. And if somebody has something else, it's because they took it from me. It's a poverty mindset, right? It, it actually shapes the way that you live. You can have an overprotective mindset. You can have an orphan mindset. This is one of the biggest things I think that we deal with a lot of times is saying that I'm not loved and I'll never be loved. And so therefore, I'll just tell you this, Darwin was right. Anybody want to throw a stone at me? Because from a lost carnal world, it became the survival of the fittest. Because we were orphans without a father. Nothing was ours, right? And so if I didn't take it from you, then I was going to have mine. That's an orphan mindset. But when you have this invitation of being adopted into the family of God, suddenly I get to celebrate what's yours, and you celebrate what's mine, and there's always enough, right? I don't have to be in competition. So an orphan mindset, a distrustful mindset, a happy-go-lucky mindset, and I'm not talking about it's not good to be happy or joyful. I'm talking about it's like, yeah, kuna matata, no responsibility whatsoever, ever. That, that can be a mindset. You can have a religious mindset. I think there's a difference between a religious spirit and a religious mindset. 
I think a religious mindset will empower a religious spirit. So even if you got delivered of a religious spirit, you actually, if you have a mindset, which is I have to work really hard to please God. And if I'm not working right now, then God's not pleased with me. And I have to make sure I'm over and over and over again, making sure that God's not mad at me. That's a religious mindset. You can have an anxious mindset. You can have a self-sufficient mindset. Hey, I got this figured out. I don't need anybody. I don't even need God. God, you take care of you. I actually dealt with a self-sufficient mindset years ago. I, did, I knew God called me to full-time ministry, but I did not trust him with finances. And I said this, God, I will serve you anywhere and anytime when it comes to lay ministry, but I'm going to provide for my family. It was a self-sufficient mindset. And God goes, okay, we'll see how that one works out for you. And I came to a place where I realized I can't do this. And I repented and I said, you are my sufficiency. Then provision began to flow. Self-centered mindset. There's all kinds of different mindsets. The point is this. If you're dealing with something that's not found in the Bible in terms of a fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, maybe you're not dealing with a spirit. Maybe you're dealing with a mindset. If you change the way you think about it, start wondering, I wonder how God thinks about me. I wonder what God thinks about joy. What do what God thinks about this? You begin to set your mind on the realities of above. I can promise you what you thought was a spiritual battle is actually a battlefield of your mind, and you will step into his spirit. That's why if you've ever gone through deliverance ministry, and they're casting out demons, and, and you're like, it's not a demon. I don't have a demon in me. We learned a long time ago from, from uh, Bob Hamp, said, uh, you can't cast out the flesh, and you can't disciple a demon. Sometimes we're trying to disciple people who are dis possessed by a demon. They need to be delivered. We need to exit strategy now because I can never tell you enough about Jesus and the Bible to get you straight. You actually have to be delivered in order to be discipled. On the flip side, though, we can overemphasize deliverance instead of realizing, wait a minute, no, I actually don't have a spiritual problem. I have a mindset problem, a soul problem, and I need to be discipled into what God thinks. And I need to step into and take ownership of what he thinks. So anything other than a kingdom mindset will always be inferior and lead to less than God's best. Let me read you a quote out of Kingdom Foundations. It says this, When Jesus arrived on the planet, humanity and creation were in a state of chaos, confusion, and death. He had come not only to restore humanity back to life, but also to reestablish his complete kingdom rule and reign through redeemed humanity into all of creation. And one of the top ways he did this was to restore his mindset to his people. So it's important to understand this is the way Jesus brought us into maturity. Jesus would often, often begin his ministry time with, he who has ears, let him hear. There, what he was saying was he was preaching to the deaf, not all the time. Right? What he's saying is, if your spiritual ears are not tuned in, you actually need to change your mindset to hear what God is saying. Matthew 13, 9 says, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. So your five senses take in the information around you, but your mindset will determine the way that you interpret what you're taking in. Your five senses will take in the information, but your mindset is going to determine the way that you interpret and the way that you live out that information. That's why you can have two different people look at the same exact situation and one is excited and full of joy and the other one is down in the dumps. Why? Because the mindset is determined the way that they're going to see a situation. So we have to set our mind on Christ. How you think will shape what you think. 
Let me hear you say, how I think will shape what I think. And again, the reality is the devil and God both want to shape your mindset. So what's the key to developing a kingdom mindset? It's intimacy with Jesus. Pastor Joel said it last week, intimacy leads to identity. Then identity shows you what your inheritance is. To return to your first love is actually not to return to loving, but being loved. See, a mindset is about who God is. It's his identity. Then we step into a kingdom identity, which is about our identity. But if I don't shift and shape the way I think, which is found in intimacy with him, I'm going to continue in a false identity. So let's continue to read in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Start in verse 4. My speech and my proclamation were not with persuasive words of wisdom, but with a powerful demonstration by the Spirit, so that your faith might not be based on men's wisdom, but on God's power. God's power will lead you to a place of encounter. Verse 6. However, we do speak a wisdom among the mature. We do speak a wisdom among the mature. I just want you to hear this. We do speak of wisdom among the mature. So there's an invitation to become mature in the faith, not just at the beginning, the elementary parts of Jesus, but how do I begin to get into the depth of who he is? It's not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. On the contrary, we speak God's hidden wisdom in a mystery, a wisdom God predestined before the ages for our glory. Understand what he just said. Wisdom, God's wisdom, what he's talking about is for your glory. It's so that you would show up with him. You look really smart when you're thinking like Jesus. It looks glorious, right? Because you are thinking like him. Verse 8, none of the rulers of this age knew this wisdom, for if they had known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it's written, what I did not see, ear did not hear, what never entered the human mind, God prepared this for those who love him. I love this translation, the, the Holman Christian Standard. It rephrases it. We're in the New Living, and a lot of times in the King James, it's like, well, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind will comprehend. What this is saying is really pulling the truth of it. It says, well, you heard it said, or it was written. The thing that the eye did not see, the thing that the ear did not hear, the thing that never entered into the human mind, the carnal human mind that was separate from God, God prepared this for those who love him. Let me hear you say those who love him. If you're born again, you're one who's known as who loves him. Intimacy puts me in this place of I'm being loved so I can become love, and in that place I receive wisdom. Verse 10, now God has revealed these things to us by the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man that is in him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. And now we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who comes from God, so that we may understand what has freely been given to us. If you've got your Bibles open, I want you to underline that verse 12. I want you to meditate on that. It says this, so that we may understand what's been freely given to us by God. What I would propose to you is it began with salvation, 
but it continues beyond just getting to heaven. It, it, it continues well beyond my sins are forgiven. It, it continues into, but who have I become? Because of who he is, how did he create me? How did he design me? It's this invitation that God's going, if you only knew who you were, if you could only grasp how much I love you, you would discover that my perfect love has created you perfectly for great things. So that while you're here on the earth, the earth never tells you anymore, never has permission to tell you who you are. It never has permission to tell you what you're capable of. It never has permission to tell you what freedom looks like. Do you understand? This is the invitation. I think God is constantly sitting on the edge of his throne going, God, if they only knew it. If they only knew, if they only knew my love for you. I think it was Bill Johnson says, everyone wants a king like Jesus because he's so good, he's so kind. The seek first the king and his kingdom is coming to the reality of exactly who he is. Any thought that's contrary to the thought of a good God is not true is not true. I think often we don't step into our destiny or we don't answer the cry to this, what's being freely given to us, because our experience in life was this. People freely gave me abuse. People freely gave me a piece of their mind. People freely gave me disruption or chaos or, or hurt or pain. And our feelers are just like, we're just so overwhelmed. Like, I, I, I can't take anymore. I don't want anymore. I don't want to freely receive anymore. Here's the boundaries. And how many people know the boundaries are good? But not boundaries with God. There should be zero boundaries with God. Because he's the only one you can trust completely. And the devil has worked to disrupt your willingness to freely receive what the Father is freely trying to give to you. What did he do with Adam and Eve? Did God really say, talking about the tree, did he really say that you couldn't eat that thing? He's like, well, yeah. No, that's not what he said. He says, don't eat of it. Now, touching it led to eating it. But I'm just telling you right there, there's this invitation where the Lord is saying right now, shut the voice of the enemy down. That song, let the lion roar. What are we roaring? God wants to give me something. I'm loved by him. I'm accepted by him. And there's a wisdom that will actually transform the world. It says, now, not that we received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who comes from God, so that we may understand what was freely given to us by God. We also speak these things not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual things to spiritual people. If you're born again, say, I am. You're a spiritual being having a, spiritual, having a physical experience. You're not a physical being having a spiritual experience because you've been born again by the Spirit of God. If you're a physical being having a spiritual experience, you're not actually born again. How can the yogis and, and, uh, and Hinduism and uh, some of the New Age stuff, 
have incredible spiritual experiences because they physically are, now they're lost, but they're physically here on the earth and they open themselves up to a spiritual realm that's not God. And then it manifests, look at this, this is the counterfeit. It manifests in signs, miracles, and wonders. Counterfeit. Because they're physical beings having a spiritual experience. I'm meant to be, you were meant to be, when you're born again, you became a spiritual being having a physical experience that manifests as it is in heaven here on the earth. Do you understand that? So therefore, your mind, your will, and emotions have to come into alignment with as it is in heaven. Your physical body has to come in alignment with as it is in heaven. If there's no illness in heaven, why is there illness here? And I and look, don't don't come to me and say, well, there was the, there was the fall of man, and I, I understand that. I understand that we're living in an age where the physical realm still has not received the fullness of what Jesus did on the cross. That will come with the second coming of Christ. But until he comes, he said, occupy until come back. Everything you saw me do, do those things and do even greater things. What did Jesus do? He brought as it is in heaven here onto the earth. Oh, you got blind eyes? You have eyes in heaven. Boom. Oh, your, your ear is deaf? Well, you can hear in heaven. Let me, boom, hear. Oh, you've got cancer, that tumor? Well, that's not actually residing in your body there. Dissolve. It's actually simple. I tell people all the time, signs, miracles, and wonders are actually the easy part because it's all dependent upon him and what's there. What's the difficult part is bringing our mind into alignment with what's there. Mindset. You can control whether miracles show up by your mindset. Let me read verse 13 again. We, we speak these things, not in words taught by human wisdom, but those taught in the Spirit. So what I want to tell you is this. It's not just something you learn and you receive, but you have to get the language on your tongue. You have to begin to speak with your spirit. Why is speaking in tongues an important part of the faith? I just want to be careful on this because there are traditions that say you haven't been baptized in the Spirit unless you're speaking in tongues. That's not biblical. It's not. You get to speak in tongues. That's the invitation. That's a part of it. And everyone can speak in tongues. Now that we've dealt with that, the point of the matter is I'm speaking spiritual things. I'm, I'm engaging as it is in heaven, and I'm actually releasing it here into the earth. I'm coming into this place. I'm getting a spiritual reality, and I begin to make a declaration over a physical realm that begins to shift things. When you speak to the storm, when Jesus is in the storm, and he spoke to the storm, be quiet. Where was he speaking from? As it is in heaven. Where was he physically resided? In the boat. But he was speaking to a second heaven reality, which was that spiritual warfare, the battle that was trying to keep the disciples from actually getting to the other side of the seashore. And the devil threw a storm at him, and Jesus is like, please. Because Jesus is seated. Have you ever seen a, a picture from the space station as it's rotating around the earth or when the, we still had space shuttles? And you see a hurricane or a storm? Perspective changes. It doesn't look like a really bad storm, does it? Because you're not subject to the atmosphere. A hurricane is an atmospheric storm. But when you're residing in heaven, there's no hurricane in heaven. I just want that to sit for a second. So what are you allowing to be, let me change, what are you putting yourself subject to? 
Speak to it. Get to the third heaven. Set your mind above. Father, what do you say about this situation? And say it. Speak it out loud. Make declarations. When we walked into my dad's hospital room, looked in the eye and says, you will rally. You will live and you will not die. This is what the Lord's saying. He's speaking over. I just began to speak a reality of the as it is in heaven here on the earth, and it began to change things. Not because I'm the one that did it, but because he said it in heaven. Do you hear this? This is where it can get weird. We start thinking we're the miracle. No, we're the conduit. We're the conduit for it, but I'm surrendering to as it is in heaven and release it. So I don't care if it's darkness. I'll tell you a testimony. The same day that we got the call about my dad, after the second song of worship, um, it was when you walk into the room, I hear the Lord say, go walk the perimeter of the property just during worship. I said, okay. So I walk out there, and he said, pull out your sword. Well, y'all might not know, but I've got a spiritual sword. I know what it looks like. I I can see it in my hand right now. I know the gems that are on it and stuff like that. And he says, I want you to drag your sword and and draw a line of demarcation all the way around the property. I said, okay, here's what I'm doing. I'm in heaven, but I'm here on the earth. And what I'm doing, I'm dragging it, and I can hear. If you've ever heard a sword drag on the dirt, you can hear it, the metal. You hear the little tinging of it. I can just hear it with my spiritual ears. I'm like, all right, Lord, and I'm just praising God. I could hear y'all in here worshiping Jesus. My father told me, go walk the line. Draw a line of demarcation. Okay, I'm going to obey him. Here's the key. When you have a mindset to hear what he says, you will obey what he says. And so I'm walking around this property. I come along the side in front of the the uh, laundromat, and I see this woman about 30 to 35 years yards ahead of me, and she was looking kind of sketch, like real skittish back and stuff like that. I'm like, eh, whatever. So I just keep dragging, and then right when I get to the front entry of the property, I see this stick on the ground, and it's just teeming with, with second heaven, witchcraft, spells, curses, all kinds of crazy stuff coming off of it. But because I'm sitting in the third heaven, I'm looking at it down, and it's not scary to me. I'm actually laughing at it because it looks like a cartoon to me, right? I mean, legitimately, it wasn't like, you know, if you're in a horror movie, it looks scary because it looks like it's reality. But when you're in a cartoon version, you're like, really? That's, that's it? I just start laughing. I pick it up. I snap it in half. The moment I snap it in half, the woman that's ahead of me jerks her head around, eyes big, and she darts across the street and disappears. It's probably a witch. I don't, I don't know. I'm hoping there's witches coming because you're going to be saved. Because <laughs> who we carry, who's, who isn't us, is stronger than the one in the world. And so here, I'm just telling you this thing. What is this? I'm seated with him in heavenly places. And we heard testimonies of thing breaking. And when I came back in, the end of that service, and Cindy was doing a fantastic job of closing the service saying, look, there's people who have seen things and heard things. But remember, what did she say? You're seated in the third heaven. You're not going to deal with it from a second heaven perspective. Why? Because we're seated with him in heavenly places. Our mindset is there. And there's a wisdom that's available to us. Let's finish this up. So we also speak these things, not in words taught by human wisdom, but those taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual things to spiritual people. But the unbeliever does not welcome what comes from God's Spirit because it is foolishness to him. He's not able to understand it since it's evaluated spiritually. So why can why can a unbeliever why cannot an unbeliever understand a spiritual thing because he's spiritually dead? You have to be born again spiritually to understand spiritual things. Verse 15. The spiritual person, however, can evaluate everything, 
yet he himself cannot be evaluated by anyone. Now, let me stop here real quick. I've heard people use this saying, well, I'm, I'm the man of God and I am not correctable because nobody can judge me using this, this verse. It's a misunderstanding of the verse. What it's saying is a spiritual man, a son or a daughter of God cannot be judged by an unbeliever and tell him spiritual things about God because they, can't, they don't know it. They can't judge spiritually on that. But what it does say is this, but we who are spiritual, we who are sons and daughters of God, we who are a family, no, we can judge each other. And I'm not saying like, what are you wearing that girl? What did you get that for? Like, I mean, we're not talking about judgment. <laughs> Why'd you play that rap? Or why'd you play this? No. What it's saying is, it's like, I see this in your life. And you begin to speak life into them. You begin to speak wisdom into We need one another. The, the, the understanding that we get from heaven about ourselves, but also about other people, we need this. But look what it says in verse 16. Who has known the Lord's mind that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Let me hear you say, we have the mind of Christ. I've heard it taught that says, well, that's only when the corporate body's together does the corporate body have the corporate mind of Christ. No, that's part of it. When we're together, we have a better representation of the mind of Christ. But if I don't have a believer within 50,000 miles of me, it does not matter. I have the mind of Christ. Jesus, when he was on the planet, he was the only one who was perfect. He had the mind of his father. And he was able to bring the mind of his father. Here's why we can move into greater things. There's more of us that look like Jesus now. When he was here, there was one. Now that we're in this room together and the Spirit's inside of us and we have the mind of Christ, we can do greater things because there's much more of it. There's just a force multitude about being able to go out and hear the mind of Christ and release the mind of Christ everywhere we go. I want to do this. I, um, I want to read back just all the way through without commentary, the amplified version, if you've got that, Lacey. I encourage you also to... To read, if you've got your favorite translation, also jump over the Amplified because it's, it's like running commentaries you go around. I'm going to read back through this with you guys, and then we're going to pray. Uh, and go to verse 6 for me, if you don't mind. It says, we do not speak wisdom among those spiritually mature believers. I'm sorry, we do speak wisdom among those spiritually mature believers who have teachable hearts and a greater understanding. But it is a higher wisdom, not the wisdom of this present age, nor of the rulers and the leaders of this age who are passing away. That's talking about the spiritual principalities of darkness. There's, there's the devil, but then he's got demonic demons who are, are principality. And you can get that in, in Daniel was praying. And it says this, and after I think it was 21 days, this angel came to him and says, hey man, from the moment you first prayed, the prince of Persia, how many people know that was not a real human prince? That was actually a demonic angel, right? Resisted that angel to come and bring an answer, okay? So when it's talking about this, it's saying those leaders of this present age, and they're actually passing away. Next one. But we do, we speak God's wisdom in a mystery, the wisdom once hidden from man, but now revealed to us by God. That wisdom which God predestined before the ages to our glory to lift us into the glory of his presence. None of the rulers of this age recognized and understood this wisdom, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. 
But just as it's written in Scripture, things which the eye has not seen and the ear has not heard and which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him, who hold him in affectionate reverence, who obey him, and who gratefully recognize the benefits that he has bestowed. For God has unveiled them and revealed them to us through the Holy Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things diligently, even sounding and measuring the profound depths of God, the divine counsels and things far beyond human understanding. For what person knows the thoughts and motives of a man except the man's spirit within him? So also no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we've received, not the spirit of this world, but the Holy Spirit who is from God, so that we may know and understand the wonderful things freely given to us by God. We also speak of these things, not in words taught or supplied by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining and interpreting spiritual thoughts with spiritual words for those being guided by the Holy Spirit. Let me hear you say, mindset. But the natural, unbelieving man does not accept the things, the teachings and the revelations of the Spirit of God for their foolishness, absurd and illogical to him. And he's incapable of understanding them because they are spiritually discerned and appreciated. And he is unqualified to judge spiritual matters. But the spiritual man, the spiritually mature Christian, judges all things, questions, he examines and applies what the Holy Spirit reveals. Yet it is himself judged by no one because the unbeliever cannot judge and understand the believer's spiritual nature. For who has known the mind and purposes of the Lord as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ to be guided by his thoughts and by his purposes. Won't you stand up with me? I'm just going to invite you to go ahead and close your eyes. The reason we do that is to remove some distractions. If you're born again, say, I am. I want you to recognize that you're a spirit who has a soul and a physical body. The Lord is spirit, and you're made in his image. And I just speak to your spirit to remember that you've been raised with Christ to be seated with the Father. Now, there may be those in the room or those who are listening online right now that you're not born again. And honestly, a lot of what I talked about seemed like nonsense. And that's because you need to be born again to understand any of it. And the invitation is this. Discover who you were really meant to be. When you were born in this world, you were born separate from God. Your spirit was dead, and that meant that your thoughts were far from God. But Jesus, the Son of God, came. He lived a perfect and sinless life. He demonstrated what it means to have the mind of the Father, to have the heart of the Father, to demonstrate it everywhere he goes, to turn darkness into light, to bring purpose where there's no purpose, to bring hope where there's hopelessness, to bring wholeness where there's illness and disease, to bring life where there's death. That's what Jesus did when he was on the earth. And at 33 years old, he went to a cross because it had been prophesied 
And it was actually required that in order for man to become a son of God again, a perfect man had to die in the place of imperfect people. So Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, endured a painful and disgusting death, and he literally became sin. He literally took the nature of a fallen man, and he died so that you and I could be reconciled to God. The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you're believing that you are actually being raised with Christ. Become born again. That's you right now, just right where you're at. Say, I surrender. I want to be transformed. And I want to discover who I'm really supposed to be. I turn from an old way of living and I turn to Jesus, who is my life. Now, everybody in the room where you're standing right now, I speak to your spirits and I call your spirits to rise above your souls and your bodies into perfect alignment with Jesus and the Holy Spirit seated by the right hand of the Father. And I declare over you, your eye can see your ear can hear, and your heart and your mind can understand all the good things that God has prepared for you. Your part is going to be releasing your mind from the earth and putting your eyes as it is in heaven. To say, Jesus, in this moment, I repent. I return to the penthouse, seated with you, my mind, my will, my emotions will no longer be focused on the things of the world. They'll no longer be impacted or influenced by the things of this world. They are under the authority of the Spirit of Christ where I'm seated in heavenly places. Come Holy Spirit right now. I just sense right now, just say where you're at, I just sense there's, there's resistance in the second heaven from you fully becoming that. And I want you to make a decision right now. And it says to declare with your mouth. So just make this declaration. I renounce any spirit that would try to influence me or convince me that God is not who he says he is. And I'm not who he says I am. I rebuke every spirit that does not belong to Jesus, my allegiance, my life is found 
in Christ alone. Yeah, you feel that break in the room? There's going to be some of you that you walked in here, (laughs) you've been been trying to battle some behavior patterns, and it just snapped when you made that declaration. Lord, we just give our life to you right now. We just thank you for what you're doing in this place. Now, I want you to declare with me one more time, okay? Repeat after me. I declare that my eye will see my ear will hear, and my mind will comprehend all the good things that my Father has prepared for me. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give him a shout of praise. Thank you so much for joining us as we seek first after God's kingdom and release it to transform lives and cities. If you would like more information about how to grow in the kingdom or connect with Legacy, go to our website, www.legacynb.com